the street called Backwalls. Her mother's prescription had been a welcome excuse for a walk to the drugstore. No, the chemist. She was back in England now. The ancient town of Stow-in-the-Wold on its high hill was lovely, gilded by the late afternoon sun. But her life there was misery. Misery in her childhood and fresh misery now. She shivered again in the icy breeze, which carried a faint but a very foul stench. Someone's bad drains, she supposed. There was no magic in her life these days. Cecily looked up at a flash of black and white to see a pair of magpies alight side by side on a branch above her head. A half-forgotten childhood rhyme came into her head. One for sour, two for joy, she murmured. She had no lack of sorrow. Joy would make a change, and with the thought, a purple and black feather spiraled down to kiss her outstretched palm. Cecily said, Thank you, aloud, and tucked the feather into a pocket. Magpies were mostly considered unlucky in English superstition, but she always liked them. And Native American people said, carrying a magpie's feather brought courage and good luck. A surge of unreasoning hope warmed Cecily, in spite of the chill in the air. She could use some good luck for a change, and above all, she needed courage. A wave of harsh sound swamped her when she let herself into the house, as if her key in the front door turned the crank of a perverse music box. Her mother's bitter voice demanded, Have you been to China and back? You've been gone long enough. Her 13-year-old son Drew's simultaneously complaint, Why did you tell me you were going to the drugstore? began as a baritone grumble, broke in the middle, and ended, to his visible fury in a soprano whine. You knew I wanted a soda. If Cecily had ever spoken to her mother that way, she would have called down a rain of angry words upon her head and been sent to her room without supper. But although her mother still cursed her, Cecily with every other breath, she never scolded Drew. This had surprised Cecily at first, but her mother was a realist. Though she relished inducing helpless misery in Cecily several times a day, she'd apparently recognized that Drew's egotism made him immune to all her self-pity, sarcasm, and rage. Now she ignored him as usual, and went on with her own complaint. What in bloody hell were you thinking, you stupid little bitch? Staying out so long. You know perfectly well I always have supper at quarter past five. Regular meals are important to my health. Are you trying to ruin my digestion? Don't worry, mother. Your sup will be ready on time. It's only 4.30. It won't take me 45 minutes to cook scrambled eggs and toast. Scrambled eggs. Her tone of outrage was appropriate to an offer of pig slop. I don't want scrambled eggs. That's baby food. I'll have a grilled chicken breast with buttered asparagus. Unfortunately, we have neither chicken nor asparagus in the house. When I asked what you wanted for supper, you said you only wanted scrambled eggs, so there was no need to shop. I'll go back out now if you give me the money, but supper will be a bit late. What do you mean, give you money? I just gave you money an hour ago. You gave me the exact cost of your medicine. There was no change, as you very well know. When the chemist had called to say her refill was ready, Cecily's mother had asked the price and doled out the exact amount to the penny. 
You can't bear to spend even a few measly pence on your old mother. Is that it? And why should supper be late? The Tesco is only five minutes from here. Five minutes by car, mother. It's twenty each way on foot. I don't have a car, remember? And you take great pleasure in refusing to let me drive yours. Anyway, I'm out of money until payday. As soon as the words left her mouth, Cecily knew she'd suffer all evening for that mistake. Her pay was a touchy subject with her mother. Three months ago, a hospital social worker had located Cecily in Cheltenham and told her that Leticia Morton, her mother, had suffered a series of strokes, adding apologetically, she says not to bother visiting, though. She won't see you. Two weeks ago, another social worker had called from a nursing home. Mrs. Morton no longer required skilled nursing and could go home.